Good morning, everyone. Let's all take a seat. It's great to see everybody out this morning. Great to see this crowd. We're going to spend this hour this morning doing what a lot of us, I think, missed about being together, and that's singing together. So we're going to sing a bunch of songs this morning. Let's start off with Our God, He is Alive. If you use your songbook, it's number 23. Uh, A lot of you probably know this one. Um, You know what? Let's stand together and sing this one. Our God, He is Alive.
19. Psalm 19. It's not in your books. I've got to catch my breath after that one.
assembly around the throne. Welcome to the assembly of the saints who make up the Glen Springs Road Church of Christ. It's good to see all of you here. Today is indeed a reunion, a revival, if you will, as we are finally back together as the Lord intended for us to be, edifying one another, strengthening one another, and praising our Lord together in the presence of one another. The ox is no longer in the ditch. The storm is passing by, and we're where we are supposed to be. You know, in the Bible, there's many examples of reunion and reuniting of God's people. And granted, our momentarily light affliction that we've endured this past seven or 16 months pales in comparison to what many in the Old Testament had to endure. We still, as God's people, look to them to be reunited like them. And what you see in every single one of those revivals in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible is that when they came back together as God's people, they sang. They sang. When the ark was brought back to Jerusalem and David brought it back to the city of God, as God's people were once again reunited with the symbol that represented that relationship with God, his mercy seat, he commissioned a man by the name of Asaph to lead the congregation in song. And the song that Asaph led was this. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his, his name, make known his deeds among the nations. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts. He also sang this, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness endures forever. During the revival of Hezekiah the king, when the people came back together, they worshiped for seven days, and at the end of seven days, they looked at one another and said, that's not enough, and so they went for seven days more, praising and singing to the Lord. When Nehemiah led the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and they once again had a fortress to protect them from the enemies that surrounded them. Nehemiah commissioned the wall by sending a choir of thanksgiving down one side, another large choir of thanksgiving down the other side of the wall, and they sang as they went all around the city and then came back to the temple to praise even more. And the text tells us on that day they offered great sacrifices. They were rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the sound of that rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And then you have the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is going to speak of a foreshadowing of a, another revival to come. The revival that would come through a suffering servant who would come to take away the greatest need of man, and that is a redemption from sin. And when the Lord made the promise, He made the promise that when this deliverance came, there would be singing. In Isaiah 49 and in verse 13, Isaiah says, Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and has compassion on the afflicted. We don't need the mountains to sing for us today, do we? We don't need the rocks to cry out. We'll do it ourselves, won't we? Bursting into song, 
It just fits. So glad you're here today. We have many who are visiting with us. Welcome. Welcome to our assembly. Lord willing, you can hang around after this is over and we can get to know you better. But for now, let's do what we're intended to do. Let's be who we are, the people of God, as we are now finally back together. Let's sing His praises and stand truly in awe of Him. If you'll stand at this time, I want to lead us in song, and you'll stay standing for the song to follow. Pray with me, please. Dear Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this moment that You've given us to gather together as Your people to praise Your name. Dear Lord, You've once again delivered us, and we're once again reminded of Your power and Your grace and Your love. And dear Lord, while this world may not be our home, we thank you for moments like these because this feels like home. It's where we belong. And dear Lord, we're also reminded, especially in times like this that we've endured, that you're in control. And thank you, dear Lord, for being in control. And thank you for reminding us, even as the storm clouds passed over, that we're not alone. We always have you to guide us and to lead us and to strengthen us. And dear Lord, we have one another. And today we rejoice to be together again as one another, your family. Be with us today as we lift up our voices in song to you. Be with us as we stir one another more and more to love and good works. And dear Lord, more than anything else, we pray with all our heart that if there are any today who are listening, participating, who are witnessing this worship, who are not believers in you, that their hearts may be stirred to fall down and to worship you today. Any who may be watching on the live stream may be stirred, those who may not be believers, to fall down and to worship you today. We stand in awe of your mercy. We stand in awe of your grace that comes through our Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, in which we offer this prayer. And dear Lord, we stand in awe of the riches to come with you in heaven, to be surrounded by your throne, singing with the multitudes and the multitudes who are considered your faithful. Dear Lord, we stand in awe of you today. Amen. I stand in awe.
Oh my, we got, man. Try that one more time. He is risen. He is risen. Very good. Anybody else nervous? I don't know why I am so nervous this morning. It, it really hit me when I got up here and was just uh, sharing the welcome. I don't get my practice run again with the 830 crowd to fix all the things I did wrong and change everything for the 10. Uh, it's now one and done. It's live. You get what you get. I'm nervous. <laughs> I hope you have the Heavenly Library with you. Let me invite you to take down the book of Hebrews and go to Hebrews 2. Before our Lord arose from the dead, he went to the cross. And before he went to the cross to become the Lamb of God, he went to a room with his disciples to celebrate a feast about a lamb. And here's what happened when he went to that feast. Our brother Mark shares it this way. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Generally, when we're talking about the supper of our Lord, we put our emphasis, as we should, upon those emblems that represent a body and a covenant through blood. But the gospel writers want us to see specifically that Jesus on that evening did what everybody else did when they participated in that feast, and they sang hymns to the Lord. Our Lord sang with the disciples. It was more than likely song that was shared not just at the end of that feast, but possibly all through the feast, for that was the custom of the Jews. And it was possibly one of the Psalms that we can read from maybe Psalms 114 to Psalms 118, generally those Psalms about redemption around the table. And so here's what I'm picturing in my mind. I'm picturing our Lord Jesus, as Mark wants us to see, singing with the disciples was indeed singing one of those psalms. For example, Psalm 116. Imagine Jesus singing these words, maybe in a way that was where he shared the verse and they would respond either with an echo or a hallelujah. Imagine Jesus leading the singing. And he says this in that song. What shall I return to the Lord for all of his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. That's Psalms 116. 
And I don't know whether Jesus actually sang that psalm that evening, but I know my Lord sang that song one time or another. He definitely knew that passage because this passage speaks to His mission. I have come to lift up the cup of salvation. He just did that with His disciples there. I am sharing with you a cup, a cup of salvation. I am here to fulfill my vow. He knew His hour had come, and He had come to fulfill this purpose, and He's going to do it in the presence of all the people, and He knows how precious not just the life, but the death is of one of our Lord's faithful servants. His mission was to bring us back to God, reunite us with the Father, to take away the barrier of sin and guilt and revive what is broken. He is the master mediator. So it shouldn't surprise us that in His mediation, He sings with the disciples. He's been taking us by the hand for a long time. And if you think back just simply to our study in Matthew, he takes us by the hand to the River Jordan to be baptized, to begin again a renewal. He takes us to the temple to worship. We see Jesus constantly taking his believers to the synagogue for praise and for study. He was always going to the synagogue. And he was always joining arms with the brethren in songs to the Father. This brings us to Hebrews 2 because this is the point that the Hebrew writer wants us to see in our perfect high priest. Hebrews chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Can I repeat that again just for emphasis? Did you hear that? Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your Praises. And again, I will put my trust in Him. And again, He says, and here am I, the children of God have given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death, He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. If your Bible's like mine, you may notice that in our reading there, there were some passages that maybe were simply set apart from the others. Maybe they're in italics, or maybe it's separated in the paragraph. That means that these are passages that are simply quotes from the Old Testament. And so what the Hebrew writer is doing is he's giving us three powerful examples from the Old Testament as to why we should take notice that our Lord Jesus sang. That He sang with the family of His. That He sang with His disciples. That He sang to the Father. 
three powerful verses from the Old Testament to see how the one who made us holy was singing with those who were made holy. The first is this. You'll notice this is in verse 12. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will praise or sing your praises. Anybody know what verse that is without looking at your cross-reference? Psalms 22. Psalms 22. You might remember that's the psalm that begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've shared this before. Why did Jesus probably say that on the cross? Well, he was feeling it. But I can't help but think he was also saying, Hey, turn to this one. Hey, look at this one. Because in Psalms 22, you have his death verbatim shared thousands of years before it took place. They surround me. They gape at the mouth at me. He says he trusts in the Lord. Well, where's the Lord now? Let the Lord come and rescue him. They divided his garments. That's all in that psalm. And also in that psalm, they pierced my hand and my feet. It's all about the crucifixion, isn't it? But you know what also is in that psalm? This phrase. I will sing your praises. It was just as important for Jesus to sing praises with the people of God to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy as it was all those other things that you see in the verse. I'm not saying that it climaxes or it's more in importance, but the point the Hebrew writer wants us all to see is that Jesus sang psalms of deliverance with others. In fact, you know what you find a little later in that same psalm, Psalm 22? From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. And before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. There's another one. Look at verse 13. I will trust the Lord. You see that italicized? That comes from Isaiah chapter 8. It's in which Isaiah is reminding us that There will be trust for the Lord even when others do not trust Him. Why? Because we will be with the people of God. That's where our trust is. And together we will praise and trust the Lord. You know what's being emphasized by the Hebrew writer here? Is that Jesus not only needed to sing, but Jesus needed to sing with the other disciples. He needed to be surrounded by those whom trusted in the Lord. Even though it would be an hour in which He would bear the burden alone, our Lord needed to hear His brethren singing with Him. Because it builds up trust. And it shares that confidence with others. Again in verse 13, here's the third point that the Hebrew writer makes. Here I am in the children given to me. Well, can't you just see Jesus around that table? 
singing the song of praise. I'm going to fulfill my vows. I need your deliverance, O Lord. And thank you for those that are here with me. Thank you for my children. I need this. It's one of the aspects of our Lord Jesus sometimes maybe that escapes us. The one who provides deliverance needed deliverance. The one who provides the rescue needed a rescue, yes. Why else would he cry with tears as sweat as blood in the garden if he didn't need God's help and aid? In his humanity, he needed the Lord. In his humanity, he sought the deliverance of the Lord. And in his humanity, he sought to sing with God's people. And so what we find in another way is the perfect sacrifice was also the perfect worshiper. Jesus in the assembly, singing with his brethren. Anybody feel a little different when we started singing today? Just out of curiosity, anybody? Yeah. I mean, we've been singing a lot over the past few months, and nothing against our singing. When you get everybody together, it's a little different, isn't it? Stirs your heart. Fires up the soul. Jesus, in his humanity, needed that just as much. And I want you to see our Lord around that table talking about a cup, talking about bread, singing. Today, each of us sing the same way, for we too are in the assembly to sing praises to the Lord. And one of the things that we customarily do before we take of the supper is we sing. And what are we saying in this song? We're saying exactly what we're saying in the supper. This is my Lord that I've come to praise, and He is your Lord too. Praise Him with me. This bread is His body. It was given for me. It was given for you. I'm dedicated to it. Are you? This is His blood. He made a covenant. And I'm committed to that covenant as well. Will you join me? I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust Him. And I encourage you to do the same. See, there's many reasons that we sing. Admonish one another, teaching one another, edifying one another. But there's also the reason that we sing in the way that Jesus sang around the table. We believe. We trust. We belong together. And I'm here to fulfill my vows. Are you? I'm here to fulfill my vows to the Lord. I need this. Jesus knew he needed it. Because as the Hebrew writer reminds us, he needed it. And that's why he's our perfect high priest. We're going to take this supper in just a moment. But before we do, let's sing.
Let's sing to a wonderful, merciful Savior who is also our precious Redeemer and friend. <laughs> Wonderful person share the bread together. Our loving Father, we thank you so very much for giving us the grace that indeed our hearts hunger for. And as we take of this bread this morning, dear Lord, may we be reminded that you have filled our plate with your mercy. You have filled our plate with your love. And may we never doubt that. And may we be reminded this morning that our Savior is indeed wonderful. He is merciful, and He's our friend. May we be even more committed today to our vow to you than ever before. And we take this bread in His memory. Amen. Let's continue. Dear Lord, now it's our honor and our privilege to hold up your cup of salvation, a cup that 
represents blood, blood that was shed so that we could be freed from the greatest enemy there is, sin. Blood that also represents a covenant, covenant, dear Lord, that we're making with you, but even more powerful, dear Lord, is the covenant you make with us, that you long for us, that you love us, and dear Lord, that you forgive us. May we, dear Lord, be people who honor the covenant, to be reminded constantly that our Lord is a God of deliverance, and be constantly mindful that our Lord Jesus knows what life is like on this earth. That's why he's our perfect high priest. May we cling to his hand even tighter today as we walk with him. We ask all this through his precious name with our family here together. Amen.
higher ground. It's a good place to be, isn't it? Higher ground is above the valley of despair. Higher ground is where the waters and the turmoils of life cannot wash away the foundation. Higher ground is safe. Higher ground is the dwelling place of our God, and it's a good place to be. We long for higher and higher ground. Ground that's above all the turmoil, above all the despair, all the hate, and all the sin of this world. Higher ground. I'm a history buff, and one of the historical figures that I love to read and probably should read more, but I do enjoy every time I read, especially his speeches, is somebody you may have heard of by the name of Abraham Lincoln. Heard of him? You see, there was a time also in this land that we live in in which there was great turmoil, much greater than a virus. For it was a disease that it inflicted the hearts of everyone in the nation and it led to great hate. A lot of death. A lot of animosity. In fact, it was one of those wars that was pitting not just political party against political party or region against region or politician against politician. It made brother and brother And when it was over, Abraham Lincoln did something that shocked everyone, not just his friends, but even more so his enemies. Because what he did when it was over, after hundreds of thousands of lives lost, after a nation was just destroyed from the inside out, what he did shocked everybody because he stood up and with his presidential power gave amnesty to all. At the end of a war, he gave amnesty to all. You know, generally when you're in a fight, it's the guy who's losing that says, all right, let's, let's go for some peace here. But his side may have won, but not necessarily in his eyes. There was no victory celebration at all. For the nation had been divided. And even though it was over, there was still pain. There was still hurt. And so he stood up and just said, amnesty for all. In his second inauguration address, he concluded with these words. In fact, if you've ever been to the Lincoln Memorial up in Washington, D.C., you will see these words engraved in the marble. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work 
that we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who has borne the battle and care for his widow and his orphan, and do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Isn't that amazing? I don't even have to live at that time and go through all that without feeling the chills of that powerful statement. Don't you know there were some that were like, oh, what are you doing? There were others who were going, thank you, thank you, thank you. But what he did, what he did is what really, in a way, as a nation brings us here today. Because where would the nation have been after the war if they didn't get peace? Then what would have happened? Just curious. We don't know. But something tells me it had been a little different. We've been through a battle, without a doubt, these past few months. And while our battle was not like that, we're reminded that sometimes in life, there is that great challenge that comes to any and every generation where when there is a challenge and when there is opposition, when there is uncertainty, when there is friction, easily, Satan's tentacles are going to come in and squeeze every heart and encourage sin. And no matter what generation, no matter what time, no matter what turmoil, each generation has the opportunity to seek higher ground. Higher ground. Let's put this in the perspective of our Lord working with us and the battle that we waged with our Lord with respect to sin, that we actually rebelled against the one who created us, that we rebelled against the one who has given us all that we have and all that we could ever hope to have, the one who is responsible for all things, and we rebelled against him. And what did he do? He gave us peace. He provided the peace, the higher ground. Even those who have aligned themselves with Satan and were by nature children of wrath, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 2, just like all the others, he offers peace. Why? Well, as Ephesians 2, 4 reminds us, he's rich in mercy. And He's rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us that He sent Christ, His Son, to come and be the peace for us. And where does He raise us up? Anybody know what the verse tells us? He raises us up to where? The heavenly places. The higher ground with our Lord. In Acts chapter 2, there's another battle that's ensuing, and this time it is just like the battle that we described, a battle against the Lord. But this time it wasn't just figuratively, it wasn't just in a way symbolically, it was literally, this was the crowd that had shouted, crucify, crucify, crucify. This
if you will, had truly blood-stained hands. While they may have not have been the ones who had nailed the hands in, or nailed uh, the nails into our Lord's hands and feet, they were the ones who wanted it. And now here we are a few days later, and Peter and the other apostles are pointing out to them, they crucified an innocent man. They crucified a just man. And it wasn't just any innocent man. They had crucified the Son of When they cry out, what do we do? <laughs> you get it, don't you? What do we do? In Acts chapter 2, here's, here's what Peter and the others with him, the preachers of the gospel, shared. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Can you see the tears in their eyes? Can you hear the anguish in their cry? And Peter said to them, Repent. I, I, I can almost see Jesus, uh, Peter with almost a smile on his face. You're not going to believe this, but it's repent. Change, turn, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's the greatest speech of amnesty there is. And it's not about politics. It's about eternity. It's about knowing that the one with whom came to bear our sin is the one who is now offering us peace. If we'll just cry out to him. I said at the beginning of this lesson, I pray, and I pray this every Sunday, by the way, that someone will be moved because of experiencing the worship of the saints, that they will be moved to fall down and worship the Lord as well. We read about that in 1 Corinthians 14. That's why there should be unity among us. That's why there should be a hospitality among us. That's why there should be a rejoicing among us. That's why there should be order among us. That's why there should always be this collective body together to stir the heart of the unbeliever. And I pray, I pray that a heart has been stirred this morning. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, that humble man upon the donkey, everyone that day was crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna. 
which simply means, Lord, save us. We beg you, save us. And little did they know he would provide a salvation that went far beyond their imagination. I think they were hoping for a Lord that would come in and take away physical pain, take away physical oppression from Rome, take away all the challenges of life. And Jesus was like, I'll do one better than that. I will take away all problems. I'll take away even your sin. Because I'm taking you to higher ground. If you'll just cry out to me, Hosanna. Hosanna. This morning, maybe your heart's been stirred to shout Hosanna. If that's the case, we want you to come forward. To be willing in front of this crowd and this assembly that loves you to confess the Lord Jesus and to have your sins washed away through the fountain that He provides through His blood. Now that would be something worth singing about, wouldn't it? If that's you this morning, we want you to come. But what we also want is for everyone here, everyone in our family, to be reminded about what keeps us together. Who we are. We're the people of God, the people of peace, the people who are united to a higher purpose with a higher goal, to preach the gospel of Christ, for we want everybody on higher ground. And those who crowd Hosanna will be there. Will you stand at this time as we sing together? And if we can help you in any way, won't you please come? Steve. Uh, I want to say a special thanks to Steve. Uh, if y'all 
haven't figured it out already, uh, all that you see certainly on the live stream and all the video productions, uh, even all the production that comes with the classes on the podcast and the threefold cord, uh, that's all been the work of Steve, but that hasn't been his greatest labor over the past 16 months. Steve's greatest labor in which every single one of you need to give him a big hug is that he also has had to listen to my sermons twice every Sunday. Even my own family would leave and go home and go get breakfast, and poor Steve is stuck here hearing the same examples, the same stories, and generally the second time it was a little longer, wasn't it, Steve? I didn't have a time constraint. Uh, Actually, I'm looking forward to that real nice, no more time constraints. But give him a hug, will you? Give Steve a hug. But thank you guys for leading us in song this morning, and we're not done yet. We have a couple more for you. We've been saying and certainly expressing in our unity today that the storm is passing by. But in reality, this storm is still striking and it's still lingering among many families, and including the family of our own, Brett and Angela Looney. Angela's father passed away this past week after being afflicted by the virus. He was a young man, young man. And so our hearts and our prayers go out to Angela, to Brett, to their children, to Angela's family, and to all of them. And may the Lord give you peace, and may he give you comfort. And may we all be reminded that even if the storm did not affect us directly, it affected many of our brethren. And we pray, and we pray diligently that it may continue to pass on over. It's good to see a lot of faces we haven't seen in a while today. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is where you belong. And if you're visiting with us, please come back. Thank you so very much for coming and worshiping with us today. One of the things that is one of our traditions here, at the end of every one of our assemblies, we offer an elder's blessing. And so today I speak on behalf of all of these men that are before you today. It is our blessing that these songs that we have sung today, that they may be upon your heart in this upcoming week. May you, as you drive to work, go to school, sit in your office, continue to hum these tunes and recite these words. And we pray that all of us may be reminded of our unity together and that our Lord himself sang with his disciples and singing is indeed a very powerful medium of worship to our Father. It stirs hearts. And may that stirring continue. We have two more songs we want to sing together this morning. The first is, Worthy is the Lamb. And the second, Behold our God. It is our blessing to you today that these songs and melodies will be upon your heart, but more importantly, the confidence and the assurance and the hope that comes from these songs. That you will know assuredly that you have a lamb, a lamb who is worthy, worthy of our praise and our adoration, and more importantly, worthy of the price that was paid. For he's the perfect Lamb of God. And what that means to us as believers is we know we are saved because of the Lamb. 
Our blessing is that you'll have that confidence this week. And our blessing is also this, that your confidence in the Lord, that He is your God, is so strong that you will not hesitate even for a moment to share His mercy and His grace and His love with somebody else. Whether it's a stranger, whether it's a friend, whether it's family, or whether it's even a foe, that your confidence in your Lord will be so great that you will share His message with others. Will you do that for us? That's our blessing to you this week, that we will cling even tighter to His powerful hand. We'll sing two more songs together, songs that are going to stir our hearts, and then we'll close it out with a prayer.
loving Father, we come before you today to behold you, to praise you, and to honor you. And we thank you, dear Lord, that you've brought us all back together. We pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with those among our family who are hurting at this hour. We pray especially that you'll be with Angela Looney, that you will comfort her and that you will be with her and Brett and their children and their family, and that you will give them peace and comfort at this time and strengthen them. And dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you, dear Lord, that we can come to you for that comfort. And dear Lord, it is our prayer today that as we leave here today, after once again being united together where we wanted to be, that we may live this week with great confidence. May we stand in awe of you every day this week, constantly exalting you and remembering that you indeed arose from the grave, that you're our God who is alive and you are worthy to be glorified by us, and we will constantly assemble every opportunity that we can on your mountain. We thank you, dear Lord, that you are indeed a wonderful, merciful Savior. And we give you the joy that you deserve. And we thank you for the joy that comes from you. And we know our hope and our aim is indeed higher ground. And we've stood on it today. May we shout Hosanna each day this week. And may we, dear Lord, have the confidence to encourage others to do the same. Because truly we have a worthy lamb. And we behold your glory in Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord, for revival. Thank you, dear Lord, for our family. And thank you, dear Lord, for knowing what we need to be together to sing. Be with us this week. May we carry these songs with us. And we ask all this in the name of our Savior, the beloved Christ, our friend who sings with the saints. Amen. Soul, thou Savior dear, it is not.